This is the fear of science. Hello everyone and welcome back to The Fear of Science, the show that dives into the wide world of science topics to demystify, debunk, and delight. Each show features a new science fear along with special guests and more surprises along the way. I'm Daniel Chai, co-host of Fear of Science and joining me of course in studio is... I'm Jeff Porter, your other co-host. And we're very excited because this episode's topic is one that uh, really everyone should be thinking about uh, a lot. And this is, of course, uh, the fear of GMO. Uh, it affects a lot of things that we, uh, that we not just eat, but a lot of things around us. And so joining us in studio, we have two special guests to help us dive into this subject. Who do we have? Uh, hi everyone, I'm Raylan Carson. I'm a comedian in Vancouver. I do improv comedy and a little bit of sketch comedy. I perform with uh, Vancouver Theatre Sports, The Fictionals with Daniel, and also Nasty Women. Oh. Glad I'd, to have you here. Thank you. And I'm Scott Pownall. I'm one of the co-founders of Open Science Network. It's Vancouver's first community science lab with a bit of a bent towards biology. Um, it just happened that way, I guess. Um, and uh, Open Science Network, um, we do a, quite a wide range of things. We uh, run STEM mentoring cafes where we get a bunch of middle school students um, engaging with uh, um, mentors in STEM fields so that they can try to rub off on you know why they, they do um, what they're doing and what their passions are. Uh, and it's, it's actually really the engaging. I've, I've actually been photographing most of them um, and just watching the kids transform. We had one woman that brought in some Drosophila and uh, it was giving the kids this uh, experiment to do and just seeing them do that. Uh, so yeah, um, that's the STEM mentoring cafe, kind of like a speed dating for um, uh, STEM. And Great. we also ran this summer a maker and science jamboree on Granville Island. So we got a grant from the administrators on the island. Cool. And uh, we had about 20 different organizations and a ton of people that came and visited us, uh, all the booths. So it was a really fun time. Uh, and I run the community lab. It's a full functioning molecular biology lab. Uh, we do some serious work there and some uh, fairly not so serious work, um, uh, but uh, it's wide ranging. So we teach people that um, really have no experience with um, uh, science or with uh, DNA, just an interest, and uh, they can learn how to do DNA fingerprinting. Uh, they can do um, DNA barcoding if they're interested in uh, what species are out in their environment, uh, things like that. Uh, so it's wide ranging. I also teach a synthetic biology uh, class to our members. Very cool. Great. Wow. wow. Oh, my goodness. I, I feel smarter wow. and funnier for, for having both of you here. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you both for joining us. So one of the things uh, that I wanted to start off with was uh, fear of GMOs is I kind of want to define what a GMO is before we get into the fear of it. Um, I think a lot of people don't really fully understand what, what we're saying when we say GMO or gen genetically modified organism. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to start off. Before I ask Scott, because I know Scott will have the answer to this, uh, I'm going to ask Ray Lynn, and I'm going to ask Daniel, and I'll also say what I think a GMO is. Right. So let's start with Ray Lynn. 
Well, uh, honestly, <laughs> I didn't even know what the O standed for for the first uh, <laughs> little while. Uh, but I just know that it, uh, from what my experience was, was there was a lot of genetically modified foods. So that's more of where I've had the understanding of things that maybe it's not the exact uh thing that I originally was, but maybe it's a changed version of it, so it's not genuine to the originality, I would assume. <laughs> I'm like looking over at you, like you, you're going to give me the answer. <laughs> Just nod, please. <laughs> uh, for myself, my, my understanding of genetically modified Organism, and I'm kind of in the same boat of uh, with Raylan. You know, it's like a GMO. It's kind of like as a side note, it's like when Kentucky Fried Chicken turned into KFC. You know, it's just like we we shortened everything to acronyms. <laughs> but I digress. Uh, GMO. It's uh, I believe that it's not just for food, but it's also for um, it's also for uh, uh, crops and not just uh, crops that we eat but also say for for certain vegetation if we need vegetation to to help um, uh, regrow say a forest or if we need uh, to uh, you know there's also the talk of GMOs for designer babies and what the implications of that are like those are babies designer babies they they grow up to be designers mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was like, very fancy in my very lawn. fancy babies that come yeah. out of the wound with like bedazzledness. Yeah. Gold leaf. Just, ooh, ooh. <laughs> and for you know, um, and my my understanding about GMO is not just uh, it's not just science, but also a GMO can also be big business as well. So um, yeah, there's lots of different uh, aspects that uh, kind of color my understanding of what GMO is. Yeah, I think when I think GMOs. Um, I'm kind of torn on it because there there is a lot of like really bad media around GMOs. But on the other hand, I, I realize that, you know, a lot of the things that we eat are GMOs. Um, and we're essentially talking about we're creating and I'm not going to go too much into it because I've done the research for the show. So I, I know a bit too much to, and I want to leave that up to Scott. But um, I think that, you know, we're scared of it because we're, we're changing nature and, and that's what people get freaked out about. Um, so I think there's just a lot of misconception around it. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to hit, hand it to Scott because he can explain it all. Yeah, so um, the O in GMO is organisms, so genetically modified organisms. So uh, these are organisms that have been modified genetically uh, using uh, classic recombinant DNA technology. So humankind has been modifying uh, both plants and animals for millennia. We've been breeding them, selecting for traits, and then in, you know, after Madame Curie discovered um, radiation, uh, people figured out we can actually use radiation to um, damage the nucleus and of plants and then try to create different types of species and so they learned how to do that and improved on that science and uh, so uh, broccoli never existed before um, it's something that was um, what uh, to create but wait wait did, was there cauliflower cauliflower is also one of those plants that's, what uh, 
Yep, Mind yep, blown. It's man made. It's oh, man made. There's a lot I of children s- that are angry about <laughs> yeah. that discovery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, wow. but these have been uh, mod- um, modified uh, not using the modern recombinant DNA technology. So um, uh, they've either been bred uh, to be what they are, or you know, uh, occasionally you'll see a trait. Um, uh, like maybe in a cattle that will make it produce more milk, and so you try to um, breed that in so that all of your cattle have that trait. Uh, okay. So that's just classical breeding, uh, but genetically modified organisms uh, tend to uh, mean stuff where we've taken DNA and inserted it into that uh, organism. So um, uh, we first started doing this about 50 years ago with um, um, bacteria when we were just understanding uh, what DNA is and how to work with it. And so a lot of this work was done in research labs. uh, And it's how we came to understand and um, uh, really uh, develop ideas around what genetics are. from that, uh, people started to modify, uh, for example, mice, uh, the genomes of mice. So one of the experiments I did during my graduate studies is to delete a gene in a mouse to see what the effect of the loss of that gene is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, back then, the technology uh, was slow. It took a number of years. Uh, and you never knew what you actually were going to get. And for the mouse that I actually um, produced, the mutant mouse, um, there is no obvious phenotype, which is mm. the way a trait is expressed. Mm. So it's um, uh, obviously okay. there's some other gene in the mouse genome that was compensating for it or something else in so it. So it's like uh, uh, I know that w- anytime I'm on a website and I'm working in the back end and I delete code, <laughs> it never works out. <laughs> so maybe, uh, uh, ho- I'm glad that uh, uh, that the mouse was okay. Was the mouse okay? Uh, yeah, the, the mice were fine. <sighs> they looked perfectly normal and uh, just like my website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the click buttons don't work, but um, interesting. But there are other mice, um, uh, other genes. If you delete them, um, you know they can have a huge impact from um, you know preventing development um, and uh, other ones where it's just like restricted to a particular tissue. So we've learned a lot about cancer biology. Uh, through these genetic uh, mutations in in mice. Of course, we don't eat mice, but they're genetically modified organisms. Um, And then there's another technique called uh, transgenics, where you take um, a gene that you're interested in expressing in um, the organism that you're interested in studying. And so you'll take that gene and you'll uh, put it into the organism, yeah. and it will express. Uh, and that's so when we start talking what? designer babies, right? Right. Uh, with, you know, early on, so nobody's doing that with humans, <laughs> Yet, to my knowledge. That we know <laughs> of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> In North America. <laughs> yes. uh, so is that like, uh, you know, uh, when, because uh, every so often on the store shelves, I see a grapple, an apple that tastes like a grape. And it does mm. taste like a grape. Is that does was it. that genetically? Um, that a, I'm not certain about grapples because right. I tend to I, I, I go to the farmers market. Ah yes. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have grapples there. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and actually, I, I a grapple say, farmer. Um, you know, uh, GMO uh, food is a very controversial area, and mm-hmm. there's uh, particularly here on the West Coast, there's a lot of people that are totally against it. They don't 
quite totally understand why they're against it. Um, uh, and Monta Monsanto has a large um, uh, reason why people are against yeah, it. Yeah, right. Um, uh, so, yeah, um, uh, these genetically modified organisms, um, um, you know, they've been really good in terms of research context and understand a lot about um, human biology and animal biology. Mm -hmm. So I guess that, that leads us to, to our, our next question. And it's a question that we always like to ask here for our episodes. Uh, we like to go around and, and check in with our guests and with ourselves to, to see which one of us is afraid of the episode's fear. So do any of us have fear of GMO or perhaps a, a healthy respect for it? I think I would be more of a cautious person because sure. I don't know exactly what it is and what it does. I mean, if it's going to cure my type 1 diabetes, then I'm all for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? But... <laughs> uh, Scientists, if you're listening, time, Ray Lynn needs your help. I need it. I need new insulin produced in my body. Um, but, like, at the same time, when it comes to, like, foods and stuff, like, you always hear of, like, certain restaurants or foods that have it, and then I'll eat at one place and my tongue's tingling, and I'm like, is that GM? <laughs> Like, what is that? Now I'm scared. I'm never going yeah. back to that place ever again. They, they cross-pollinated uh, uh, Pop Rocks <laughs> into your tofu. Uh, Damn KFC. Uh, for myself, I think uh, I have a uh, I have a healthy respect for for GMO. I have you know for I think I get my my knowledge of GMO again from from the media and from you know stuff that pops up online and from and from friends who are friends who are foodies friends who who do have an interest in it and i know that you know there are parts of the world where you know there are genetically modified rice for example that uh, that because it's been gmo'd in a in a specific way that it's it grows in a place that it wasn't able to before, and the people there are able to survive because they have uh, genetically modified, you know, grains and other sorts of foods that wouldn't exist there before. So yeah, it's a true. positive for sure. Yeah, um, I think for me, <clears throat> um, I'm kind of yeah, the, the healthy respect. Um, like living in Vancouver, I know GMOs are a thing that I should not like. <laughs> um, so, but when I go to the grocery store and get fruits, that 25 cents extra to buy the GMO version, I'm probably not going to do it. Um, mm -hmm. Although in the back of my head, I am going to think I should do that. Mm -hmm. And then I When it's in the smoothie, it all tastes the same. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, get it from but the freezer. It? It's already messed up. Hold <laughs> it. Yeah. Stores longer. So, so herein lies the problem. <gasps> Use these three letters, GMO, to describe all these different organisms yeah. that have been modified. And, you know, uh, in general, people don't like a lot of complexity. Um, they just want a simple answer. Can I eat it or, or right. uh, should I avoid it? And um, uh, I'm, I'm pro-labeling. I want to know what I'm eating, uh, and I think that's a reasonable stance. 
and I think a lot of the controversy that's developed is really been because of uh, these agro um, farms, uh, biotech companies that have been um, using all sorts of techniques to actually, um, not science, but the techniques to actually propagate their their corporate interests, um, and um, I personally think that there can be a lot of benefit using um, the technology uh, for humankind, and I think given that our population is rapidly growing, um, uh, and we're really, if you listen to the news, we're hitting crisis point, you know, of course, uh, certain politicians don't believe that in certain countries uh, but um, you know we do have this this major problem that we have to deal with uh, and I think that um, the technology can benefit humankind um, mm -hmm. but we have to figure out what our motives are for doing it and, and what we're actually doing we also have to look to see um, what are the health effects of these things? So mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of controversy over some of the um, uh, Monsanto products, the uh, BT corn and things like that. You know, does it cause cancer or, or does it not? And um, I actually, because I feel like I'm standing back on the sideline watching this, um, you know, I see the corporations, of course, pushing their agenda, but I also see the anti-GMO people um, who I've actually helped build websites for, um, <laughs> uh, uh, making statements that aren't that accurate and, right. and confusing the general public. And so it's really a battle uh, between these two entities, which has nothing to do with science. It's more the other aspects of humanity. Right. Uh, you know, with, uh, uh, I think, you know, more so than I think some of our other subjects, I think GMO is one that that kind of hits home for for a lot of our listeners and for ourselves because uh, this is something that you know whether it's it's food or whether it's the the nature around us or the animals that we we live with and uh, share this planet with you know it's something that we actually uh, do you know that we need to survive and so I think that's why it's a it's an actual you know as you say there's people on both sides that can get heated and when mm -hmm. uh, when thought processes and when fears become uh, become stoked and then people uh, do a blanket statement no GMOs I don't want any GMOs yeah. or uh, or on the other side uh, our techniques and our patented ways of, of creating foods is the is the best way and should be the only way well yeah and I think that's that's kind of part of it as well where it's GMOs are kind of complicated and and to understand it there's so much kind of politics behind it and corporations behind it and everything behind all of these GMOs so you know me as the general public I go in and I see something that's GMO is that a good GMO is that a bad GMO is there political reasoning behind why this is a GMO is there corporate reasoning why this is a GMO or is this just some person, I don't know, I was going to say some person who just did it in their backyard, but I don't think people can just do GMOs in their backyard. But uh, but yeah, I think that's the confusing part is what's good and what's bad. 
Actually, just picking up about that doing GMOs in your backyard. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, doing that anything so in your backyard. That was uh, a joke. Yeah. <laughs> a, number, a number of years ago, there was a, a fellow who did a Kickstarter campaign, and um, what he wanted to do was uh, put a gene from the jellyfish uh, called green fluorescent protein uh, and put that into uh, this plant and grow a plant that glows in the dark. Uh, fluorescence. Uh, yeah. So mm. no trying to recreate the Ninja Turtles. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you could yeah. try. You could try. You just can't <laughs> release them out into the environment. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. Just need that mutagen. Um, yeah. Well, so I wanted to to uh, uh, ask you, Raylan. So so Raylan, uh, yes. you are you are a foodie, and you are a. a they say. They say. <laughs> I love food. I love to eat. And you are you are a vegan. I am. Excellent. Uh, I am. And of course, more and more vegans, uh, especially here in Vancouver, is very vegan friendly. Uh, it is. My my partner is vegan, and I love vegan food. Now, uh, would you say uh, that um, you know it's, there are many different reasons why people become vegan? Mm-hmm. But uh, are, are um, is the vegan community more? Uh, more apt to say be be uh, aware and perhaps a little wary of GMO or uh, well <laughs> you are representing all the vegan Vancouver. I do not want to represent all the <laughs> vegans because yeah. every vegan has a very different point of view on everything right, right? yes um, for myself uh, I don't have that much info on GMO, so I can't really say that all vegans are this way or that way, sure. especially when everyone has such a different point of view. Right. I think there's also this whole thing to science as well, where there's this weird line where it's like with all the testing and stuff, it kind of makes it hard because a lot of testing for things, it's easier or at least it makes it easier to figure out things by using things like using animals like mice or other uh, beings and stuff. So it kind of has that weird, uh, you know. Moral quandaries. Moral quandaries, yeah. So, but at the same time, like, I'm also not going out and doing all these experiments. So there's that whole part, too, where I don't, I don't know if... I'm fully affected by right. it. Now, uh, so, uh, of course, Beyond Burgers and, and Impossible Burgers mm-hmm. uh, are, you know, lab-grown uh, meat. And that uh, is a lab, you know, wood. Is it a lab-grown meat? I thought it was pea protein. I don't think it's a lab-grown. Is it lab-grown in a sense where it's because it's made in a lab? A&W, if you're listening, please tweet at us, Science <laughs> uh, no, it, It's actually not meat. It's, yeah. it's uh, definitely a... Sure. What? Pe- okay, so it's, it's, so pea, it's protein. pea pro... So it's yeah. p- right, right. So when I say lab-grown meat, uh, listeners, if you are watching, you can see me do air quotes. When I say <laughs> lab-grown meat, you know, uh, again, in terms of like lab-grown... Because there is actual right. like meat that's being created and, in labs that are using in, the. In fact, in our lab, um, so we are what's called a biosafety level one lab. Uh, that sounds really cool. <laughs> yeah, it, it is cool. Official yeah. stamp of uh, biosafety level. <laughs> um, so essentially, it's what you can do at the kitchen sink um, or a high school um, lab. Um, you know, it's stuff that is not going to hurt you. It's not going to hurt anybody else. Um, the next level up, there are actually four levels to the system: uh, BSL one, two, three, and four. 
to my knowledge, there's only one BSL-4 lab in Canada. You know, the military may have their own someplace. We don't know about that. <laughs> hush, hush. That hum- <laughs> that's human testing, right? <laughs> Full-on human testing. Well, that's where people would work on things like Ebola. Ah. Uh, so something mm. that will really devastate a population. And, in fact, uh, the Winnipeg facility, BSL-4 facility, uh, paid, played a key role in developing the vaccine against Ebola um, in that um, uh, outbreak that happened in Africa. So oh. um, there's... Winnipeg? Yeah. yeah. Who would have known? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Usually you never trust a Winnipegian. Yeah. Is that what you call them? Winnipegians? Winnipegians. Yeah. <laughs> so going back to the cultured meats, mm-hmm. we actually have uh, a member who he's an architect and he's had this passion for um, people use either clean meat or cultured meat and other people are trying to um, come up with other names that are, I guess, more marketable. Um, but uh, he's been interested in doing that. So. Um, I have the equipment to be able to create a BSL-2 lab, but we don't have the resources or I haven't gone through the legal, pro- you know, the regulatory processes to, to sanction that. There are some community labs in the U.S. that do have a BSL-2 lab, um, and that's basically working with things that could hurt you, but won't really kill you. Um, <laughs> really? Classic. Yes. That's hilarious. Classic. <laughs> uh, that's Classic won't yeah. kill you, but... <laughs> Could hurt you. Just a little dead. <laughs> Not fully. <laughs> That's my ex. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and, and so this member is um, just starting up learning how to actually um, culture um, uh, mammalian cells uh, from the butchers. You know, so mm-hmm. you can go get a, a drumstick or something and isolate the muscle cells from that and see if you can culture them. Um, so it's. Um, uh, you know, it's a big area that's becoming important, uh, mm-hmm. particularly uh, we're starting to do the numbers on the cattle industry and, and the impact that that's having on the environment and you know, what the total cost of eating a burger is. Uh, and so there are many people that think that cultured meats might be a viable alternative. Um, those aren't GMOs. Those are just um, uh, cells that are isolated from an animal and cultured in the lab and expand it up to the point where you can We'll call it Soylent Green. <laughs> Soylent Green. Uh, actually, I think somebody's already claimed that. Yeah. What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so for, for things like that and GMOs in general, um, how do we know what the long-term effects are? Because I know, I know as GMOs, we have a lot more history of, of doing GMOs. So we do have a little bit of data with that. But something like, you know, creating meat from, from a cell, like how do we know if that's going to mutate me or not? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the, so the cells are pretty much the same as they are in the muscle. They just mm. don't have the context of that scaffolding and um, other related cells. I, I think most people are trying to mix a mixture of muscle cells, these things called myocytes, as well as adipocytes, which are the fat cells, um, to give that flavor balance because people like the fat and the yeah. muscle. Um, and um, uh, yeah, so there's a lot of work that's going on in that direction. Um, and I think there's actually a lot of money that's being poured into the field, uh, but there's a lot of caution in it. Well, do you get that that argument of the um, you're playing God 
to do this as well. Like we're creating um, something from one tiny little cell and, and growing um, an organism. I'm For some reason, I always picture like a tiny little cow that's going to come out of this yeah. cell. But I know that's that not true. That would be adorable. That would be adorable. I'd be so we down. should work on that. Yeah. Just to keep them as pets. Um, so... The GMOs, you're really just introducing a single gene um, and, uh, you, know, same, you know, producing the whatever it is, whether it's a banana or whatever, um, to give it that extra trait. Um, you know, one of the things that's changing a lot, so uh, back in the year 2000, uh, the human genome was sequenced and it was a race between a public and a private effort. That private effort was a company called Celera, and when I was doing my postdoc at the Ontario Cancer Institute and the Amgen Research Institute, I had access to all the raw data that was coming off of the compute the sequencing farm from Celera. Uh, so I was doing a lot of mining for genes of interest for um, biomedical research. Um, and uh, we, we got really good at actually reading DNA sequence. Uh, so the human genome, that was back in 2000, uh, each of us has about uh, 6.4 billion base pairs of DNA, half oh. of it from our mom, half of it from our dad. Um, one of the game changers that's happening now is that uh, we're actually driving down the cost and improving the technology for actually synthesizing DNA. Um, so with all of this sequencing that's happening, uh, some people call it reading DNA. So by reading DNA, uh, labs around the world have been sequencing all sorts of organisms from microbes to fungi to plants to mammals and dumping that into the database, public databases. So now what we can do is we can actually um, mine that database so it's a digital file, go to that gene of interest that you want to work with, take that, send it to a company, give them your credit card, and they'll send you back the physical DNA. Um, uh, so, so that's uh, the you know, biotechnology uh, process. You can actually, um, uh, you know, uh, you were talking about diabetes. Mm -hmm. um, do you take insulin? I do, I have an yeah. insulin pump. Do you know that insulin is a GMO? Uh, honestly, I tried not to do that much research into that because I have no other choice on it, and I'm sure it's again not scientists. If you're well. listening, <laughs> <laughs> yes. If you want to cure Raylan Carson's diabetes, please contact me. So, so yeah, um, insulin is uh, a GMO product. It is the human gene that's been inserted into bacteria, and the bacteria are grown in bioreactors and then they purify out the insulin. Insulin is actually a complex molecule mm -hmm. in the way it folds uh, to get its proper structure and there's a bit of clipping and modifications that has to happen, but they've mastered that and so um, it's a lot easier to mass produce it that way than it is to, um, uh, you know, I think in the past they were isolating it from horse and, and pigs, and, pigs stuff. and other species yeah. and giving you that, but then you run the risk of getting some virus from that species. Yeah. Um, so uh, you, using GMO insulin, um, you're uh, better off. P people with diabetes are better off. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm still around, so yep. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that we're, shows you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, GMO. Yeah, <laughs> GMO. Na, 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 na. GMO. Um, so, so I was talking about going back to the uh, synthesis of DNA. 
uh, in 2010, a research group in uh, California, uh, they took, they looked for the smallest microbe genome, and it turns out it's a mycoplasma uh, species, um, uh, mycoplasma genitalium. You can guess where that Whoa. was found. Mm. Uh, and it's currently the, the, um, the record holder for the smallest microbial genome. Its genome is about a million base pairs. So remember the human genome is 6.4 billion. This is a million. So what this research group did was they um, had a lot of credit card room and they bought a lot of DNA and they assembled that to recreate that genome. Hmm. And they basically pushed that DNA into the cell of a cell that didn't have it's what well, that it had its genome removed, and they actually were able to kickstart synthetic life. What? <gasps> and in 2016, they did a follow-up experiment where they were trying to find out what is the minimal set of genes required for life. So they basically went to that one million base pair genome and started kicking out all these genes, doing research and experiments to see what's essential for life. You know, so um, uh, I think everybody knows that they have to take certain amino acids because they're essential amino acids. Our body can't produce them. Microbes can produce those, but if you take those amino acids and put them in the media that the microbes grow in, you can kick out all the biochemical pathways that produce that amino acid. So you can get rid of a whole bunch of genes as long as you supplement it in the food that it eats. Uh, so what this group did is they were able to reduce the genome by half. Wow. Now, uh, you are already touching upon uh, the next question uh, that I wanted to ask, and that is, what is the future of a GMO? So as well as doing all of this fancy stuff, um, where where else is both the, the technology and also where um, uh, what GMO is doing for the world, you know, either positively or negatively? And how long until I could inject myself to get superpowers? That's my yes. main okay, question. Okay, we'll, we'll handle that question a little bit later. Okay. But, uh, um, uh, where it's going to go, um, in a general sense, uh, we're going to see a lot more GMOs. And um, the question is, is, you know, who's going to benefit from them? You know, are these things that humanity is going to benefit from or are these things that corporations are going to benefit from? Um, hmm. And actually, the, so that kind of brings me um, to our, our hashtag. So every episode, um, I, I do a bit of research and I, I check out a hashtag or whatever our subject is. So this one I did hashtag GMOs. Um, there was a lot of crazy stuff out there for sure. But one thing that really got my eye is there were a lot of people kind of talking about, about labeling um, and, and mislabeling or just corporate labeling of GMOs, especially when, when it comes to food specifically. Um, and I think when you said that we're going to get a lot more GMOs coming up. I think that's a really important thing where there are companies out there that are throwing the GMO sticker on something that was probably, or throwing the non-GMO sticker on something that was non-GMO already and then charging more money for it. 
Um, so, yeah, what do you ca- kind of think about that kind of thing with the labeling system? Uh, yeah. I, I'm, as I said before, I'm pro-labeling. I, I want to know the food that I'm eating. Um, and I have the capacity to be able to go in to actually look at the data that's there about whatever that particular um, um, organism is. Or, or, you know, you can go to the, if it's patented, um, the patents are publicly available. You can actually go there to see what kind of modifications they've done. And patents only last for 20 years. Um, uh, but yeah, you can you can learn a lot about it. There might be research papers where they're looking at it. Um, you know, I was um, when I was a graduate student, I was at a, um, uh, a very large multinational uh, pharmaceutical company, uh, the Canadian branch in Montreal. We had a meeting there, and uh, the head, the Canadian head of of that company, um, said that we don't like doing, making uh, changes, or doing experiments that are, you know, just kind of random experiments on things that we're trying to make a drug out of, uh, because it could reveal things that might cause problems with the FDA. And most everybody in the room kind of agreed with that. And I was thinking, hmm, if I'm taking that drug, I want to know. (laughs) And and, and so there's there's this trade-off, you know, likewise, you know, it depends what the interests are of whoever's producing that. Uh, And also, you know, um, what people's interests are. You know, people kind of become adjusted to things. So one of the things we haven't talked about is CRISPR. Do you guys mm-hmm. have you heard of CRISPR? Yeah. Yes. Yep. No, I don't. Is that a type of uh, CRISPR in the fridge thing? Yeah. Uh, it's a new potato chip. Uh. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's, there's that. So CRISPR is a system that uh, was discovered in microbes, and some very clever people figured out how to use that for genome editing in all different types of cells. And uh, back in 2015, there's a publication from a Chinese research group that um, was about to be published, and somehow the news got out into the media. And there is a, I don't know if you got one of those beepers, I was going to say a curse word, but I'll just say (laughs) beep storm (laughs) over the GMOs, uh, uh, sorry, over this paper. Um, Nobody saw the paper except for the reviewers and whoever snuck it out to the media. Um, uh, and, and so there's a lot of speculation what it's about. So they were genetically modifying human embryos. And it scared a lot of people. And it um, there's a lot of uh, discussion in the media about this. And when the paper came out, it was actually a really good paper when you read it, because the researchers clearly drew the line in the sand saying that um, they used um, human embryos that were defective in the in vitro fertilization program. So these were embryos that are known uh, not to be able to create a human. Not viable, right? Yeah, right. not viable. Uh, so they, they did the testing in that, and they found problems with it. And um, uh, so they basically said, if anybody's, you know, science advances, you know, if anybody's going to take this forward, you know, these are some of the things that have, have to be addressed. Um, and uh, it's, the way it works is that it, you can very specifically target a sequence in the genome. Uh, so you basically have this guide, it's called a guide RNA, it's a little bit of material that guides the enzyme that cuts the DNA 
and it specifically cuts it and modifies it. And you can do some tricks with that. Um, I gave a talk at Nerd Night uh, uh, last year, I think it was. Oh, with um, friend Michael Unger. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so uh, you can very specifically change things. So uh, I think it was earlier this year, the FDA in the U.S. announced that uh, things that have been modified with CRISPR that don't leave, introduce um, something from another species, uh, they can be considered as non-GMO. Oh, interesting. Uh, so it's a way to accelerate genetic modifications. It's like crossbreeding. Um, you can introduce other um, genes from other species uh, if you wanted to, uh, but I think the, the rules are that those then become GMOs. Um, uh, so, but it's allowed a lot of directed um, modifications. So we're probably going to see a lot more of that. And there are also people that are working on that for um, humans and for pets uh, to try to fix diseases. And I think everybody would agree if you have, um, you know, like a, a, a single genetic mutation like uh, Huntington's disease that uh, is really bad for the people that have it. Um, uh, if you could correct that, you know, I think most people would agree to that, and um, the technology will be applied for those things, those uh, cases, cancer, things like that. Diabetes. Um, diabetes <laughs> yeah. I'm just but trying to get someone to pay for it, please. Actually, <laughs> diabetes is well-maintained, mm. and so the FDI, FDA doesn't see it as urgent. And so... Oh, um, get on beeper the beepers. <laughs> well, no, no, they, they see the importance yeah. of um, doing it, but the, the hurdles are higher there. Um, whereas something like cancer, uh, where you know people that have end stage I don't know, mm -hmm. liver cancer or something, um, you know they're going to die in a few months. Oh, um, definitely. So, uh, yeah, way more try, urgent. Try different things. Uh, whereas to test something on a person with diabetes uh, that may have risks to that person, um, you know they kind of have a pause there and they want to see a, a higher game in terms of the science mm -hmm. behind it. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, you know, it's important. Yeah, that so, is really good. Um, uh, so, um, yeah, so I, that, that's CRISPR. Great. And, and CRISPR's there for modifying the genome. Uh, well, and I think part, part of, with CRISPR too, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a lot of that too is where the designer DNA kind of discussion end up coming out of if we have this simple way of of saying okay my my baby i i, I don't want this gene um in my baby and creating these designer babies this designer dna that's a lot of the fear mongering kind of around crispr as well yeah yeah so uh, so there are two things one um we've got our somatic cells and we've got our germ cells so our somatic cells are all the cells in our body that don't contribute to making a baby Right. Uh, germ cells do. So if you're a woman, it's your eggs. If it's a guy, it's the sperm. Um, and uh, so I think most people are fine if it's not passed through the germ line. So if you're um, trying to um, fix some kind of retinopathy or some brain something, um, uh, you know, I think people have lower issues about that because it's treated as a drug, or right. perceived as a drug. A lot of issues in terms of delivering it, and um, you know, there is the possibility of transferring 
you know, across the, um, the, uh, the barriers that uh, might impact the germ cells. So these are the things that people would have to research on. Um, uh, so, um, but modifying the germ line, um, you know, uh, there's a huge ethical issue there. You know, is it right to do that? Right, you know, right. And does that, the, the human that's created from that that you know they didn't ask to have their genome modified yeah right? well so. and where do we draw the line as well yeah. like where do we say okay I want I want my baby to not have diabetes okay that's understandable but I want my baby to have blue eyes specifically then you're starting to to yeah. walk that gray line of and, and what I see happening is that you know it's gonna first start It'll get through the FDA for treating uh, really major diseases, and then once it becomes commonplace and accepted by the population, then it'll start to trickle down. You know, look at all the um, the um, kind of vanity medical treatments. You know, the, yeah, the nip tucks and whatever else that mm -hmm. people do. Um, you know, it will come down to that level, um, and. In with pets, you know, um, because there isn't that moral thing, you know, people will be using the technology. Oh, yeah. to, um, Could their animals last longer, live longer? Or, or you know, um, we've bred like German shepherds with the um, the uh, inbred um, diseases that they mm. have. They have very hips, hips yeah. and things like that. So Pugs and bulldogs and, yeah, and yeah. all those. Uh, so, so you know. Um, I can see it happening there. Um, yeah. I think we'll, we'll wrap up the show on that note. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much to both of our special guests for sharing Thank your, you. your knowledge you. and your insights. Remember, uh, scientists, if you're listening, get on that. <laughs> get on it. Yeah. Get on the diabetes. <laughs> Just get rid of it. Um, just get it gone. <laughs> and and most of all, you know, uh, this this podcast, uh, such a great discussion. Uh, you know, we we here at Fear of Science, we want to encourage all of our listeners to uh, not only keep listening, but also to keep learning and to uh, keep uh, keep the conversation and the discussion going. So uh, you can find us on all of your social medias. Um, you can find us at, at Science Fears on Instagram, Twitter, and Fear of Science on Facebook. And I was just going to, uh, because you said, plug Open Science Network. So uh, we're on Meetup. So if you just Google the name, Open Science Network Vancouver, uh, you'll come to our website, which will have the link to our Meetup group. And uh, you can sign up. Um, you, you can come to our Open Labs on Wednesdays. And if you're really keen, you can actually learn about some of the technologies, you know, DNA fingerprinting, um, uh, DNA barcoding, uh, all sorts of things. It's Very cool. Great. Awesome. Um, I'm going to be doing a few shows around town on the 21st. I'm doing the Improv Against Humanity show at the Rio with the fictionals. On the 24th, I'm doing a solo sketch at the Carmela show, which is at Little Mountain Gallery. And then on the 26th, I'm also doing the Nasty Women show, which is at the Biltmore. Uh, and I'm doing shows weekly at Theater Sports. And yeah. yeah. And, and also, you can find Find me on Instagram or Twitter at R-A-E-L-Y-N-N-C-A-R-S-O-N. -N -N That's my name. And if you have the cure to diabetes, <laughs> type one, uh. Raylan Carson. Bless. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again. Uh, yeah. Jeff, always a pleasure. Yeah, thank you very much for tuning in. And we'll see you guys next time.